Hello, and welcome to the Fantastic Comic Fan Podcast. I am your host, R.T. Fleming. I'm here to help you find your next digital pick from the golden age to the present. Since I was a kid, I have been reading comics, and I have never lost my love of comic books. I try to pass on that excitement for comic books to others, always looking for that next fantastic read, or discovering an old favorite. It's Thursday, June 19, 2022, and this is episode 42 of the Fantastic Comic Fan Podcast. And today is the third of four podcasts for the week. On Monday, I had Rob Taylor out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, who started a Smash Comics program which brings comics to kids in children's hospitals. That's only the start of what he had planned, and I think it's a fantastic project, and Smash Comics deserves more attention. On Tuesday, I had Michael Nunnally talking about his indie comic called Seder. There's a Viking horror story with North mythology, the paranormal, and supernatural, with a little magic thrown in. I liked reading the comics so much I had to have Michael on the podcast. Tomorrow, and rounding out the week, I travel back to the Silver Age with fellow podcaster Paul Hicks, who co-hosts the Doom Patrol podcast. And we are talking Doom Patrol 88, the incredible origin of the Chief from 1964. It was a blast talking with Paul, and you'll see why you need to read more Silver Age Doom Patrol if you've never done so before. I've been trying to do today's episode for a couple of weeks. Just a solo episode of me talking about great comics. Now don't get me wrong, having guests on is fantastic, and I've been able to have some great, diverse people talking about indies, Kickstarter campaigns, and whatever comic book they think is an excellent read. I'm proud of those episodes and have some great guests lined up for upcoming episodes. Still, part of my mantra is to cover comics from all ages and genres. I believe they're fantastic reads from the golden age to now. However, those comics need to be read in the context of the times they were published. Now this time around, I'm covering Marvel's recently released omnibus in June 1962. It contains all the comics Marvel put out in the same month Amazing Fantasy 15 came out. For all you new fans, that's the first appearance of Spider-Man. I've been putting it together and hope you enjoyed the episode. Now please, review, rate the podcast, spread the news, suggest it to other comic fans. Look at the show notes and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and other social media. The more listeners you tune in, the more you might find a great comic to read, help fund a Kickstarter campaign, or support a fantastic project like Smash Comics. I want to hear from you. The good, the not-so-good things about the podcast. What you like, don't like, suggestions on what to cover. You're free to message me on Instagram, Twitter, or email me at fantasticcomicfan, all one word, at gmail.com. Now let's get on with today's episode. Frankly, it is amazing that Amazing Fantasy 15, Spidey's first appearance, was able to get so much attention. Back then, comic books on the newsstands were treated worse than an unwanted stepchild. They never received any attention and were stacked at the bottom of a newsstand often. There was no real fandom or a way to spread the news about an amazing comic book. 131 comics came out in June 1963. DC at 33, Archie about a dozen, Harvey with 18, 19 for Dell, almost two dozen from Charlton. Even the American Comics Group was still publishing four titles. That Golden Age publisher would last until 1967. 
Superheroes were again the big draw, but Western, romance, and war comics were also popular genres. Licensed comics were big, even back then, with Roadrunner, Mickey Mouse, Dagwood, and Tarzan drawing comic readers' attention. Heck, even Bob Hope had his own comic book at this time. And 60 years later, Spidey is one of the foundations of the Marvel mythos. It was able to stand out among that mix of comics. As part of the celebration, Marvel released the June 1962 omnibus that reprints every title that came out the same month of the Amazing Fantasy 15. Marvel did a similar omnibus a few years ago to coincide with the release of Fantastic Four number one. I give Marvel and Archie kudos for archiving some of their older stuff, but in Marvel's case, I wish they did a better job. So many anniversaries are coming up, and I'd like to see more omnibuses showcasing their archives. Why? I'll get to that in a minute. I thought for this episode I would tackle most of the comics contained in June 1962, but not all of them. I'm leaving out the superhero comics like Fantastic Four 6, Incredible Hulk 3, and Journey into Mystery 83. Yes, the heroes are the biggest part, and deservedly so. But it always wasn't always that way. For years, those romance and western comics were Marvel's bread and butter. Also, I wanted to focus on those artists and creators who fans don't necessarily know, like Stan Goldberg, Al Hartley, and Jack Keller. They did solid work for years at Marvel, but are now overshadowed by other creators. I'm not trying to downplay any creator, but I think all creators should get the recognition they deserve for their contributions to the Marvel mythos. Now let's talk about those comics. Let's start with Gunsmoke Western 72, which stars Kid Colt. Okay, technically this came out July 3rd, but close enough. Now fans these days are used to wonky numbering, especially how Marvel gets those anniversary issues out. During the Silver and Golden Age, there was a number madness that outdoes today's numbers math game. Often it was easy for postal reasons to change the name of a comic book to keep the same numbering than to start from an issue one. Quite a contrast to today's seemingly constant relaunches of first issues. Gunsmoke Western is a fantastic example of how the wonky numbering was back then. There wasn't really 72 issues of the comic book. It started off as all winners for two issues back in 1948, though that's not to be confused with all winners comics. It went to all Western winners for again two issues, and the next iteration lasted three issues, ending with Western winners. Next up, staying in that Western theme, is the Black Rider. And here, we have a little staying power. Black Rider lasted from issues 8 through 27 in 1954, but he continues for another four issues as Western Tales of Black Rider, which ends in 31. And here, Gunsmoke Western starts with 32 in 1955 and continued until 77 in 1963. But I told you, some hijinks were going on with that numbering. Unfortunately, there are not a lot of creative credits for the issue. Jack Kirby did the cover, and Kid Colt was a long-running Marvel character that we did in and out of Marvel Mythos, even at one time helping the Avengers defeat Kang. Well, at least for that moment. Inside, the lead story was drawn by Jack Keller. Now let me pause. I'm 100% for giving Stan Lee credit for contributions to the Marvel Mythos. 
However, it did slightly irk me recently when Disney announced, when acquiring the likeness of Stan Lee, that they made it seem like everything was resting on his shoulders and Jack Kirby. Again, I'm not saying they don't deserve credit, especially Kirby. But what about Ditko, John Romita, John and Marie Severin? They did major work at Marvel and should be more recognized for their contributions. So should Jack Keller and Stan Goldberg. Goldberg I'll get to in a minute. Keller did the adventures of Kid Colt for at least a dozen years, starting back in 1953. Westerns once outsold superhero comics for quite a while. Now, Kid Colt also appeared in his own comic, Kid Colt Outlaw, 106, that also came out that month. Kirby also provided the cover and Keller the art for the lead story. Marvel's last Western for the month was Rawhide Kid, which had Kirby doing the cover and several of the interior work. Heck, even Don Heck penciled one of the stories. And again, I wish Marvel archived more of the westerns because fans deserve the opportunity to see non-superhero work of both artists, Don Heck and Jack Kirby. Remember me mentioning Stan Goldberg a few seconds ago? He did the coloring for War a High Kid, number 30. Now I know, colors often don't get recognized for the contributions, and they should. Goldberg helped design the original color schemes of Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, and other major characters during Marvel's Silver Age. Goldberg was also known for his pencils, not only at Marvel, but also at DC Comics and Archie Comics. In 1962, romance was still a big genre at Marvel and the industry. Goldberg did a cover and possibly some of the interior work for Kathy 18. The character of Kathy Carter, no relation to any more patriotic Carters that I know of, had been introduced in 1959 and had a Riverdale feel to it. Goldberg also did the covers and some of the interior art for Life with Millie, number 18, which also came out. Millie the Model first had her debut in Millie the Model Comics, number 1, in 1945. And Millie was also in another title that month. Millie the Model 110. And again, Stan Goldberg's work appeared on the cover and inside the issue. Oh, and that's no magic math with numbering. Millie had been around that long in her book. But again, it shows how important Millie was to Marvel over the years before the heroes of the Silver Age. Patsy Walker 102 and Patsy and Hetty 84 were some examples of characters appearing in two different comic books. Yes, first, this is the same Patsy who would later become Marvel's Hellcat. However, this Patsy had a long history in romance comics as a teenager long before her hero days. That brings me to another Marvel artist who most fans probably don't know much about but should. Al Hartley. He did the covers and interiors for both of the Patsy titles. Moreover, Hartley had a 10-year run on the various Patsy Walker titles. Also, Hartley did the art for Linda Carter, Student Nurse, number 7, which also came out this month. A title that contributed to art for the entire nine issues. Drawing superheroes was not his thing. Doing only one story in Journey into Mystery 90. Nor was he a writer, but Hartley did write the very last Giant Man feature in Tales to Astonish 69 in 1965. Use that one to stump someone when playing comic book trivia. Oh, and if you're wondering... 
Yes, Linda Carter did one day become Night Nurse. Rounding out Marvel's Romance Comics for the Month was Love Romances 101. The title used only a little magic math here. In 1948, it started out as a deal and lasted for five issues before coming Love Romances with six issues in 1949. The title change might have something to do with romance comics booming. You see, it was Jack Kirby and his long-term partner, Joe Simon, who invented romance comics in 1947 with Young Romance. Many, many fans only know of Kirby's superhero work. However, Kirby did so much more. So many call him King Kirby. And here, Kirby does the cover for Love Romances 101 and the interior again for the comic. For Strange Tales 100, which is started in 1951, and Tales of Suspense number 33, which started in 1959, had not yet switched over to Heroes of Stars. That would happen for Strange Tales 101 when Human Torch would take up the lead and get featured on the covers. Strange Tale began as a horror title back in 1951 and made it through the implementation of comic codes by switching over to, well, a little tamer tales. But this issue had the Marvel regulars contributing. Kirby, Ditko, Don Heck. Again, some fans don't realize Heck did a lot of non-superhero work long before he was doing the likes of the Avengers and Iron Man. Tales of Suspense also had the Marvel regulars, but the title swung to the more of the Marvel mystery. Marvel monster side of things. However, a reprint from Journey into Unknown Worlds 50 is of particular interest. That came out in 1956, and this reprint, kind of important. Why? It was one of the artist Marie Severin's now, earliest work. That pretty much you covers don't know her, June 1962. You don't know Marvel very well. Those individual issues will all be on Marvel Unlimited, a fantastic series. Even though they don't do a great job in sun genres, there are still thousands of comics to read. They have some golden age, lots of silver age, and most heroes are complete runs without holes. I certainly don't recommend you stop buying comic books at your favorite comic book store. However, digital services should complement physical copies, not replace them. Marvel Unlimited allows you to read great comics that might be out of your price range or even hard to find. In addition, they will enable you to discover new creators and comics that you might not have noticed, like Millie the Model. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Again, I would love to hear from you, fantastic comic fan at gmail.com. Remember, new episodes every Wednesday. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I hope to see you next time.